0: Hello,
1: and welcome to Art and Labor. I'm Lucia Love. And I'm OK Fox. And we are extremely burnt out. <laughs> and we, we, have, we have traversed the mountainside, and we have scuba'd the riverbed. And we're, we're done talking to you all about, you know, figuring things out. We're going to we're going to read some things now. We're going to read some things that other people figured out. And um yeah, we got to hit the books. It's time. It is time. You know, <laughs> but you know what really makes it feel like time is when you go and you read your Apple podcast reviews and somebody says, uh, you know, these people are pretty stream of consciousness. I don't even think they prepare at all. Whatever. To that listener, I say (laughs) you're correct.
0: You're absolutely
1: correct. We never prepare anything. (laughs) So if we have ever sounded intelligent to you for even a second, it's a win. It's yeah, and it's a complete fluke.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's 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 a lot. It's 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 a topic that can be very, very wide ranging or it can be extremely narrow and in 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 the beginning of our show i feel like we we hit we we were very had some very good like narrow discussions about particular movements and things and then we and we went off the rails and got all philosophical and stream of consciousness and like and bitch just catching up over um the course of a uh historic and insane year (laughs) Yeah. Fucked up year.
1: Yeah. That person must have been feeling really good because they were like, you know what? I I can shit on someone who's just
0: (laughs) trying. I think I can do it. I I have it in me. I bet they're in another fucking country. I bet they're like European or some shit. And they're like.
1: (laughs) Oh, yeah. They're not even dealing with a pandemic. They're just like. Hi, I'm in New Zealand. What's your problem? <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> uh we're I fine. Thought- I'm I'm trying to get free art education up here and uh just going to my good old podcast feed. <laughs> yeah.
1: I figured they were I just imagined they were a white man. Probably. I was okay. like, hmm, this sounds like a white man kind of thing to do, just to be like like, the other the other negative review we got, I also feel like it's from a
0: white man who's well, like... He called us Valley Girls.
1: Yeah, which is not correct. <laughs> I would say Valley Vays. Valley Vays is a lot more correct. Yeah, so it's like these people, they're just drive-by and they don't understand anything. You know, we're philosophers. That's why we stream.
0: Yeah, dude. the Podcasters are the new philosophers. <laughs> <laughs> where you know it's just the way it is it's a stream of consciousness medium it it happens this way and like if you want the highly produced polished crap then go to goddamn spotify and and take in all the evil shit that they're up to (laughs) like hell yeah deal with that deal with the the people who have the you know thousands of dollars of budget to be able to produce shit for the fucking New York Times or whatever.
1: Dude, seriously, (laughs) go listen to a podcast who has a host where their job is to podcast. And they right. like, and they have like a little team of <laughs> editors, and they're like, "Hello, this is <laughs> Shweemi Swami for NPR, and I'm gonna tell you things, and then we're gonna talk to people, and I, look, it's a dramatic reenactment, but it's only audio.
0: I think we put in the work relative to what our Patreon makes, and if it did make enough to live off of, I, we would step it up more. Yeah, like I know, I know that for. <laughs> I mean,
1: I have a I have a job that I go to. <laughs> yeah. It's a part time job. I also started a company with some friends. Wow! Uh, yeah, what, what's that? It's uh CBD hand san- sanitizer. <laughs> That's
0: yeah. Sick! You're doing it. You're going for it. It's real. Yeah. Get in it's there,
1: <laughs> buddies. Buddies. Cyber Monday was popping, popping off. You can get your hands all clean and you can just like mellow out, dude. You're not gonna die. You have clean hands.
0: (laughs) It's calming you while you're like OCD, constantly re upping. Yes. But it's calming at the same time. That's cool. Yes.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's, I've literally got on it. I was like, at first, I was like, this is a funny joke. And then I was like, actually, I am using this all the time.
0: Let's let's do a brand collab. Let's do an art and labor branded uh line.
1: Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. And the, it's-, it's Brooklyn Blooms. You can find them on Instagram at Brooklyn Blooms number 4 letter U. Perfect. And, uh, yeah, you can go there. You can look. It's real. <laughs> I'm not even
0: joking. I am fucking <laughs> thrilled because you, like, said it, like, last week to me as a joke. And I was like, "I that would make a lot of money. It's true.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's it's actually a thing. And, um, yeah, so I got a job. I got to start a company with some no, friends. shit
0: going out. This is for f- friends and pals and us to catch up and everyone else can deal with it this is like even from the beginning of doing the show it's like this is shit that you and i like to read in our spare time like to think about in our spare time mm-hmm. and we started the show after having like insane bar conversations <laughs> yeah so it's yeah, like so especially it's supposed if we, to be drunken so we can't have our bar conversation shit anymore so it's like bled into the podcast now (laughs) it's like (laughs) now it's like you know we we can't like see each other in person very often like like once in a while we can meet outside but it's like our our lives how it used to be is like so fundamentally different so the show's format switches around a lot (laughs) it's just the way it is but you know at the end of the day
1: i feel like we've always stayed true to the purpose of educating ourselves and the masses and turning them all into revolutionaries
0: yeah i mean it's i think we're good and i think everybody's wanting to have similar conversations like this and i think it's just like somebody who's maybe seeing the title art and labor and was really wanting like a big you know researched podcast deep dive it's like yeah, we yeah. have like, we have some of those. You just gotta like look in the fucking
1: <laughs> yeah. Look, you <laughs> look just have to bank. be a real head to find <laughs> out when we turn on the brains. Otherwise, just get in the car. We're Chill going to fuck out. <laughs> yeah, we're we're going to say things. I don't know. Maybe they'll be good. What? Uh, this today though, we're going back. We're we're down the hatches for everyone who's listened this far. Thank you. We're we're getting serious again. We're gonna be bringing in more readings. Uh we're gonna we're gonna do it today. <laughs> <laughs> so what are we reading today? Today, um I'm super excited because Selva Journal um just put out their second collect their number two collection of Essays and uh, for anybody who has been listening, we read um, something from their first issue um, that was about the support, support surfaces painters um, who were all hanging out in in France and um, reading Althusser, and they were having feuds. Um, between like the city faction and the rural faction and like what art was supposed to do and painters and all that jazz. And, you know, it was, it was good. Sounds
0: familiar.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's almost like it's all (laughs) happening again all the time. And this one I think will evoke a similar feeling. Um, This, this essay is called, this is the future liberals want. The Crisis of Democracy and the Salon de Independence in Interwar France oh. by Emily and Yvonne Luce. Yep. Um, yeah, should we just dive right in? Do you guys want do you want to hear?
0: I think we should dive right in cuz it'll should- take us a while.
1: All right, yeah. Everybody in for it. Go to the bathroom now. <laughs> <laughs> you can go to the bathroom while you're listening. We won't know. That's true. That's true. (laughs) Oh, that's so kinky. (laughs) Okay. With that in mind, (laughs) let's go on a magical journey through history. Ah, ah, Introduction. In nineteen oh six, the painter Henry Rousseau's submission to the annual Salon de Independence was an homage to the institution itself. In his painting entitled Liberty, Inviting the Artist to Take Part in the 22nd Exhibition of the Independence, so an nice. allegory of liberty hovers over the Grand Palais, the annual site of the art exhibition, beckoning an orderly queue of male and female artists through its gates. Indistinguishable in their modern black dress, each artist clutches a single canvas, a visual echo of the Republican slogan, one person, one vote, while at the bottom of the painting, the lion and emblem of universal suffrage holds a decree that lists some of the past ep- exhibitors to the independence as the new anti-academic establishment in French art. The Valtons, Signacs, Carrières, Willettes, Luce's, Serats, Ortiz's, Pizarros, Jardins, Henri Rousseau's, etc., etc., are your emulators above the tree line the flag of the french third republic and the flag of the salon de independence join those of older nations to represent the multinational exhibition exhibitioners the salon de independence its slogan neither jury nor prizes holds an important place in the history of modernism As one of the first artistic salons to admit entrance to any artist, regardless of their skill, nationality, or gender, it would provide an institutional context for some of the most important avant-garde gambits of the 19th and 20th centuries. Though Rousseau's painting was intended as an ode to the salon that had helped the customs agent launch a career as a painter— The work's symbolism drew directly from a trove of republican imagery that celebrated equality, universal suffrage, and the opening of the territory to citizens of other nationalities. As the painter recognized, the Open Salon, or Salon Libre, was a quintessentially republican institution whose genesis could be traced to the formative years of the French Revolution a century earlier. During the ancient regime, the only public space for artists to exhibit had been the crowd's official salon, a nepotistic juried institution whose default sanctioning of the Baroque style was indelibly linked to a corrupt autocracy. Dismantling the jury had thus been a priority for revolutionaries like Quatremere de Quincy and the more militant Jacques-Louis David, leader of the Commune des Arts. During the constant... Constitutance National. These Jacobins called for a Salon Libre open to all Underscoring the theoretical links between political and artistic representation and between political and artistic speech, they had put forth a set of principles that would later prove to be defining features of artistic modernity. The equality of rights that is the base of the Constitution has permitted all citizens to expose their thought. This legal equality should then also permit all artists to expose their works. His painting is his thought. His public exhibition is the permission to print.
0: Um, okay, so a free salon also meant freedom from partisan judgment of the state, an aesthetic independence that Quatremier had um, had argued would always uh, reap the greatest artistic fruits for the nation. Um, through the revolutionaries, oh, though the revolutionaries did host Salon Leave. Libra in 19 or in 1791, it survived neither the national convention nor the directory. Um, The French would have to wait until the return of Republicanism with the third Republic of Jules Ferry and Leon Gambata um, for the liberalization of art, artistic representation to finally take effect. Um, Part, Partisans of a free press, male universal suffrage and private enterprise, the administrators of the third Republic established an artistic policy of eclecticism and strategic non, non-intervention, um, in the arts in early 1881, the state would thus renounce its stewardship of an official salon, uh, extracting itself from political controversies uh, indelibly linked to ancient regime, to the ancient regime. Um, In line with the policies of capitalist liberalism, the qualities believed to be crucial to the cultivation of national talent under the third Republic were independence and individualism, including a fragmented art market. Um, Should I do one more? yeah yeah long. The advent of the Aut- autonomous salon de Independence uh, run entirely by artists neatly coincided with this Republican position despite the rebellious characterization that its chroniclers had assigned it have assigned it, state and municipal officers immediately recognized its value, marking the institutionalization of values wished for in the crucible of early republicanism its representational structure also concretized the state values of the third Republic rehearsing the principle of male universal suffrage established in 1870 with the Loi Wallon, uh, while also serving a, uh, politic culturel, politique culturels. I'm trying. uh, No, you're doing good. 1880. Um, Of broader artistic access access and education for the public. By the 1920s, the independence would be granted uh, official state recognition as a public utility. Whoa! Yeah, what? (laughs) Talk
1: about it. We're in. (laughs) Yeah, let's see how people deal with that. Um, Rousseau's painting of the independence thus celebrated not only the institution itself, but the fictional achievement of Republican cultural democratization first proposed in the Jacobin re-envisioning of French society during the revolution of 1789. The painting optimistically symbolized the closing of one political chapter marked by autocracy and hierarchies and the advent of a new one. Chronicles of the Independence, most of them quasi-hagiographic and produced by the still extant Salon to coincide with landmark anniversaries, emphasize this utopian imaginary. Unfurling like political allegories, these histories begin with an obligatory denunciation of the official state Salon and its totalitarianism over a people of artists." They chart the rise of independent art and the autonomous exhibition practices of Gustave Courbet, Edward Manet, and the Impressionists. Uh, celebrate the opening of the Independence by a motley group of artists, including the anarchist Paul Sagnac, and uh, 1885, and cite the groundbreaking but institutionally ignored artists and movements that debuted there. These include Vincent van Gogh um, exhibiting there from 1888 to 1890, Rousseau, 1886, 1911, 1926, Vasily Kandinsky, 1907 to 1912, and movements like Neo-Impressionism in the 1880s and 1890s, Fauvism in 1905, and finally the so-called Coup de Cubism of 1911 when Salon Cubists like Albert Glaze's, uh I don't know. and Jean Metzinger displayed all their work as a group in room 41. In each of these cases, the Salon permitted an artistic tendency that a jury might not have accepted, providing an institutional crucible for new movements
0: to emerge in France. Hmm. Um, with the advent of the independence, it would appear that a protest Protracted, century-long debate over political and aesthetic representation dovetailed into a happy conclusion, an achievement that Rousseau's own improbable success might have marked as a fait accompli. However, parallel to this achievement also came its challenge. Um, in the form of increasingly vocal and unquestionably powerful far right movement, resentful about the revolution's legacy and cynical about how the principles of the Enlightenment had been put into practice in the first decades of the 20th century, this symbolic salon would become a regular site of constantation and mockery in far-right journals and newspapers opposed to republicanism and the independent art it encouraged as the neo-catholic painter maurice denis a sympathizer with militant uh, action fr- francais uh, would complain in one of the earliest examples of such a challenge the independence sy- systematized and held up as a precise reflection of the anarchist tendencies and lassitude and incoherence of our art that's that that sounds good (laughs) yeah right god
1: i mean let's just leave it to fascists though to like say that there needs to be a through line in art like
0: (laughs) it doesn't all look the same i'm fucking angry (laughs) you know i know you're not allowed to do it either (laughs) <laughs> That's yeah. fascism. You are. I am like, not. I am um, not allowed to think of, about beauty and art in a different way, and so nobody else should be. <laughs> yeah, beautiful. <laughs> it's. It's. This is. Um. Yeah, this is interesting. I, I. I have. I have some thoughts, but maybe we'll talk at the very end and have a little. set. We'll just finish the reading. What do you think?
1: Yeah, let's power through. Okay.
0: All right. Uh.
1: By the 1920s, such comments would become a common refrain heard annually in the publications of Action Francaise and in populist reactionary weeklies like Je suis partout and re-articulated in the 1930s in the writings of French critics sympathetic to different strands of fascist thought. Little bit of pretense to counter political and artistic independence These reviews rarely discuss the art on display, laboring instead to skewer the Salon de Independence as an exemplum for democracy's failings. Mm -hmm. That is, for right-wing French commentators in the early 20th century, the independence encapsulated, to borrow a phrase from present-day memes, the dreaded future that liberals want. In what follows, I chart the evolution of this discourse, which over the course of two decades revealed an increasingly radicalized press corps that weaponized art criticism for political aims. Shedding light on a body of art-critical literature that served fascist ideologies of violence, I argue that these reviews provided the journalistic right with an occasion to propose anti-democratic countermodels, not only of autocratic artistic support, but of autocratic statecraft. This literature conflated the qualities of artistic selection and those of political organization. Enacting a dangerous aestheticization of politics described in the writings of Walter Benjamin, it served as a platform upon which to re-envision the aesthetic and political sphere according to a plan very different from that of the egalitarian
0: utopia painted by Rousseau. Wow, they really did try. Um, (laughs) Number one, philosophical issues, the right to exhibit negative freedom and numerism. Um, Despite the constatation that was to come, the soon-to-be-ubiquitous Republican analogy is altogether absent in the earliest reviews of the independence and its unique 20th century criticism. In the institution's first decade, reviewers associated it with another Salon de Refusé, while movements like Impressionism and Neo-Impressionism framed their discussions. Um, in the first decade of the 20th century, the credibility of the institution was would, solidi- would solidify with socialist art critic uh, Roger Marks announcing in 1903, nobody thinks now to contest that the salon has acquired with time and importance and great interest. If we are to believe Gertrude Stein by 1910, the independence had become the big event of the year. Everyone talked about the scandals that would or wouldn't emerge. Around this time, the independence began to function as an artistic barometer, Julien Apollinaire's phrase. Um, And as a yearly magic mirror, giving whoever looked into the image... They had already preconceived of French art and society. This was also the period when the discourse around the salon began to take on a heightened political tenor as it began to serve as a platform upon which to return to the core principles of republicanism or as a straw man to critique those principles. In
1: the 1905 review of the independence printed in La Humanité, the official organ of the French Socialist Party, Republican principles were clear points of reference. According to the critic Gustave Raunet, the right to exhibit at the independence, which represented perfect justice in exhibitions was comparable to the inalienable political rights of free speech and representation. All producers have the absolute right to exhibit their works. It is an organization based on the right of the individual, and the public should support it with their presence. For viewers on the left, this would form the bedrock defense of the salon, even if these reviewers were sometimes unhappy with the results. Reviewing the uneven independence for La Revue des Beaux-Arts in 1907, Henry Reavers defended the abundance of Croté's bad paintings as a necessary consequence of the principle of total liberty. Avowing that the only real path toward truth was freedom, he pledged to always applaud an attempt whose unique
0: status affirms the same right for all. Um, in addition to questions of expressive freedom, reviewing the independence also provoked broader questions regarding the capacity of the public to engage responsibly in the political or public sphere. In the discourse of op- of optimistic socialists prior to the First World War, the independence signaled the evolution of a collective governance. In La Chronique d'Art in uh, 1903, Marx wrote that the Salon. And the new aesthetic sensibilities it invented, it invited, would provide citizens with an opportunity to rehearse their critical thinking and develop a better, more lucid sense of political judgment. Um, should I keep going? Yeah, Marx would refine those these thoughts in 1905, arguing that the novelty of the salon encouraged a kind of Bergsonian creative evolution that is cultivated. In the uh, cultivated the aesthetic variations. Oh wait, sorry, I, I got lost. That is cultivated uh, the aesthetic the aesthetic variations that direct the evolution of man and societies. For him, the independence was a sign of progress within human history. An imperfect institution that could, like the Republic, adapt over time to the needs of the people is the independence, not truly the salon for our nation of artists, of our republic free of the burden of outdated prejudices, one that lends to the communion of the creator and the spectator, where each and all can work, show, judge in his own way, without control or hindrance, in the plentitude of sincere, faith in free of judgment. Dismissing the question of whether those showing were capable artists, um, Marx prioritized creativity above all, writing that the question of means was less important than the question of the gift of invention and of originality.
1: Uh, Predisposed as they were to detest anything associated with the legacy of the revolution, for critics on the far right, the independence epitomized misguided democratic ideology. Since the Dreyfus Affair, the neo-Catholic integral nationalist Charles Moras, poet and editor of the reactionary Action Francaise, have been mounting a rigorous and sincere press campaign to dismantle the Third Republic and reinstate the Bourbon dynasty. <laughs> Deploying the positivist theories of mass psychology proposed by Frederick Laplais, Auguste Comte, Gustave Le Bon, and Gabriel Tard. Maras had for years insta- insisted that an individual decision making uh, decision making process was superior to democratic deliberations, which led to random and irrational results. This argument was put forth in a 1905 issue of Action Française that excerpted some of the proceedings of the Jacobin Société Populaire et Républicaine uh, des Arts and included a set of cynical annotations by the conservative art historian Henry Lepoz, who in his full-length book transcribing these proceedings had accused the revolutionaries of being absolutely ignorant of psychological laws. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking, who isn't ignorant of those? Those, They don't exist. Um, Okay, Lepoz argued that their commitment to... The principles of equality had paralyzed their capacity to make decisions in the realm of artistic governance, and he blamed them for the causes of ruin in contemporary art. La Paz had observed all evidence points to a fact that would take much longer to be discovered in the political realm. In the domain of art, the tyranny of an ignorant mob is just as oppressive as the oligarchy of the elite and brings the rest to autocracy. Concluding <laughs> La Paz's excerpt, Henry Mazze... the opposite and- guy. <laughs> I know, I know! I love, I love how clear the issues are for <laughs> fascists, you know, it was like, going to make your brain bad if you let people
0: do things. Cause then they own
1: you Ooh, somehow. Well, well,
0: if, if, uh, if other people are allowed to, th- to think independently, um, how is all, all of, you know, my weird deals tied up in the Catholic church going to be affected? <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah, it should look. We need them all to believe in
0: Catholicism at least. How will we get our supply of fucking human trafficking?
1: <laughs> oh, Catholics, yeah. like, Sorry, <laughs> we need those souls dead. Uh. Concluding La Paz's ep- excerpt, Henry Mazette, an editor at Action Francaise, wrote that French art would continue in decadence until the
0: restoration of royal power. Oh, yeah, that's what we need. And then that'll solve all of our problems when we are back, you know, firmly mm-hmm. under feudalism again. Because, yeah, royals have royal taste. Oh, boy. All right. <laughs> <laughs> In their annual reviews of the independence, conservatives regularly evoked and despised the principles of David and his comrades. In a 1908 review of action Française, the critic Maurice Pujot uh, railed against the old idea of the 89er and 48er and asserted that independence was a purely negative concept, which in the domain of arts and letters, as in others leads to nothing but sterility writing on the Salon La Grande Ver Ver Veru Ver, Ver, I'm trying. Um, that yeah. same year, uh, Maurice Denis called the Independence a sample-sized experiment for majoritarianism and in- introduced the idea of numerism, a term coined by the anti-democratic Catholic poet and essay- an essayist, Andre Andrean Method Um, And this is a quote. Um, The independents have, for 24 years, provided a complete and conclusive experiment in democracy. Anything that meets the bare minimum to be considered a work of art has been liberally exhibited. It has been the triumph of what Andrian Mithard calls numerism, a system of the absolute individualism. At the mathematical level where individuals and works are considered exactly as equal and interchangeable as equivalent units, yes, the experiment has been rigorous. The result is now apparent. The theory of the wide door substituting the narrow has favored invasion and has placed uh, mediocrities in the limelight. Oh, God. Oh, my God. We need phrenology for our art. Let's <laughs> finish out this section. In yeah. 1934, Morass' young uh, follower, Philippe uh, Besnard, the son of conservative painter Paul Albert Bysnard, um, would expand on these assumptions in his book La Politique et les Arts, um, repeating the Marisian argument that the democratic modes of judgment were conducive neither to politics nor art. By definition, he stated bluntly, universal suffrage is detrimental to the arts, which should not be upheld to the incompetent and fanatical masses for judgment. Ooh la la.
1: Okay. Section number two, exhibition as Republic, the cosmopolitan salon. If universal suffrage had made the people into an assembly of kings, as the socialist orator Jean Joarez claimed, it is just as true that the independence had made the people into an assembly of artists, for better or worse. Another important defense of the Salon Libre was that it would prevent future embarrassing incidents of neglected geniuses later being upheld as national treasures. As one supporter of the Salon reasoned in 1921, it is better to accept 100 bad canvases than to reject one of genius. However, no limits on who was an artist meant that the Salon would continue to grow in size each year, stretching to accommodate a theoretically boundless number of artworks. In nineteen ten, the independence that Apollinaire reviewed had five thousand three hundred twenty-one works submitted by one thousand one hundred and eighty-two artists, resulting in a lengthy report that L'Etransjeunt had to stretch out <laughs> over three days. The last one entitled We Continue Our Walk Along Kilometers of Painting. That, <laughs> that really does rock. Just show it all, guys. You can do it. It's okay. Just figure it out. (laughs) Show it all. Yeah, just put it. Everyone, just put it. (laughs) Oh, my God. Do you want to do the next
0: one? I got caught up in the image. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Within a decade of Rousseau submitting his Ode to the Independence, the initial appeal um, of the Salon Libre would seed constant complaints about overcrowded walls and a surplus of middling artists. In 1919, a critic from Art et les Artistes uh, wrote that exhibition visitors were overwhelmed by the multitude of works and walked by them too quickly to really distinguish what merits attention. Though the Salon's organizing committee reduced the number of submissions per artist from five to three in 1921, and then again to two in 1923, the number of exhibitors increased throughout the 1920s, fed by more would-be artists and buoyant international market for modernism that was made in France. But judging by the jokes in the journals of the period, an increasing number of these new exhibitors were so-called Painteurs de dimanche." or sunday painters nevertheless loyal to their principles the organizing committee of the salon de Independence would not deviate from its open policy with signat the group's president announcing bluntly we are not concerned with whether or not good or bad painting is exhibited with us we only want to be administrators hell yeah it's not my problem
1: (laughs) it's a painting isn't it just look at it you guys figure it out (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, good, bad, what you want me to decide? <laughs> do Who do you think crazy? I am? I'll
0: just, I'll just put them up.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, soon, the Republic of Painters, conjured by Rousseau, had been replaced with the image of a pluralistic amalgamation of individual individualities. In 1925, the tabloid La Vie Parisienne printed Armand Valier's satire, captioned. Everyone at the Independence, a salon where all can find the painting that suits them. The illustration features six exhibitor types, none presenting as professional artists, but each exercising their right to artistic representation. A military general attacking a canvas of angular forms, a lithe dancer daintily tipping his brush on an easel of arabesques, and a fonctionnaire so engrossed in the minutiae of cataloging the line of ladies' shoes before him that he neglects the tangle of artist models to his right. Like Rousseau's picture, Valier's satire speaks to the egalitarianism of the Salon, but instead of a de-individualized mass of artists, the tokenism in this illustration is a cynical take on the pluralities expressed in the Third Republic of artists.
0: As art historians have established, from the late 19th century onward, the Parisian art world had occupied itself in the in debates regarding the role of tradition and the place of cosmopolitan diversity in the fine arts. Debates exacerbated by the association of modernist tendencies with, the foreign, with foreign influence. In the years leading to the First World War, journalists ass- assessing the range of nationalities on display at the independence would repeat the exotic locales of all ex- exhibitioners with astonishment. This reporting was occasionally tinged with condensation, uh, such as when Georges de Céli in 1912 complained that the the foreigners had too quickly assimilated the most recent artistic theorems, offering a surplus of anarchy in exchange. Oh
1: my God. (laughs) Uh, But in the period immediately after the First World War, the subject became more fraught. Not only had wartime nationalism inspired a vision of a strong and national French art, but the presence of immigrants in France had doubled, a shift reflected directly in the Salon de Independence. In 1920, of 1,141 entrants, 235 were non native artists. By 1923, almost half of the exhibitors were non native artists, 775 of 1,660. And in 1926, more than half, uh, 1,118 of 2000, were non-native. Even liberal publications frequently expressed alarm at the increased presence of foreigners in the artistic salons, often signaling singling out Jewish immigrants from Eastern Europe. Right. I know. As foreign artists flocked to Paris to participate in a buoyant art market, Critics for mainstream publications like L'Amour de l'Art, Le Carnet de la Semaine, um, and L'Art Vivant complained about the torrent of foreigners with a noxious and weakening influence on indigenous artists. With nationality at the forefront of artistic debate, in 1923, the Organizing Committee of the Independence passed a measure to separate the artists into sections based on nationality instead of by last name. Though the change was justified as having the sincere goal of renewing interest in the exhibition, it was perceived by many within and outside the organizing committee as a violation of the Salon's universalizing principles and an acquiescence to the demands of xenophobic and nationalist critics.
0: Yeah, it's not very independent of them yeah they buckled they buckled under all the pressure um, laquelle Independence, uh as uh as the scuffle came to be known was debated that year in the series of enquête, um le bulletin de la vie artistique um for the french artist and critic yves um uh elix um Eve Alex probably Um, to separate Mm. artists by nationality was to disavow the third Republic's ancient reputation of generous hospitality while foreign artists interviewed found that the measure against the spirit of the independent in the independence though bulletin editor, Julien Genot um, expressed ambivalence about the change. He also wondered whether singling out the nationality of each artist would contradict the assimilative spirit of republicanism. Would calling attention to the French artists of foreign origin, he asked, not brusquely erect a frontier between us and them? Uh, Yeah, I think so. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, i think that's what they're literally trying to do it's on the package (laughs) um do you want me to keep going um should the independence match the ostensibly universalist republic a place where plurality was again in theory encouraged and where assimilation was the order of the day or should it circumscribe each nationality such questions reflected upon the larger issues at the level of the state mounting xenophobia in the late 1920s saw critics on the right reconsidering whether the freedoms of the third republic should extend to the citizens of foreign extraction and french residents of foreign nationality As political conflict mounted throughout Europe, these questions became more pressing. In January 1933, immediately after Adolf Hitler became Chancellor of Germany, France opened its doors to political refugees, an estimated 25,000 that year alone. Many of the extreme right were concerned that the new arrivals would be just as indesirable in France (laughs) as they were in Germany. In May of that year, Prime Minister uh, er- Edouard Dalidier uh, warned that France's generosity could, could be exploited, comparing the arrival of Hitler's outcasts to the admittance of a Trojan horse of spies and subversives. Jews. Oi, oi Trojan Jews, God. you guys. <laughs>
1: Everyone's going crazy, and they're putting paintings in the Salon! Uh, All right. Thus, by the time that anti-Semitic critic Lucien Rabatet reviewed the Salon d'Automne in 1934, a xenophobic discourse to describe new immigrants was already well-established in the press. Describing the open-door policy of the Salon de Independence as a flea market invaded by Jewish <laughs> oh vermin God. and three-franc lithographs, Christ. like the dishonest fabric market at the Port Montmartre, he applauded in contrast the hygienic policies recently adopted by the Salon <gasps> de Automne to restrict the number of entrants. Incorrectly citing artists Jean Hanaud, Max Band, and Charles Walsh, none of them recent immigrants. Rebate wrote that they represented once more too many examples of this Jewish gang <sighs> green that decomposes form and color in sweat and syrup. <sighs> he reported with relief that at the Salon d'Automne, um, in all the exhibition rooms, in any case, foreigners have ceded the terrain. It is without a doubt one of the causes of unity and simplicity in the salon. Mm. Mixing metaphors for the body, artistic, and political representation, Ribate found in the independence an occasion to critique a republic with liberal immigration imac- policies. Oh my god. Um, I know. It gets so deep, and it started out so chill. This is just always how
0: it happens,
1: right? This is what I'm saying. It, you can start, you can try, and then it goes one way, and it goes the other way. Everybody's pushing on something, and then Nazis come out. Hitler goes to power. Shit goes fucking crazy. What are you gonna do? It's history, baby. And all the signs
0: were here. Oh my god. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it all lines up. Jesus. Yeah, let's see how they pull it okay, through. So number three: revisiting Independence at and the Republic's laissez-faire approach to the arts. Um, the Independence provoked inquiry on how best to organize the arts, and given the mediocre showing at the independent, Independence in the 1920s, uh, critics used the exhibition as a platform to reconsider the entire idea of artistic independence, asking whether the state should reestablish a stronger position in the guidance and encouragement of artists in the first decades of the independence grouping works by tendency had been, uh, an important curatorial strategy, helping to publicize avant-garde groups such as the Cubist had done in 1911, but starting in 1920s, um, the elected committee of the Société des Artistes Indépendants uh, would stymie this strategy, alienating the avant-garde by passing a resolution to disallow the artists or their dealers any hand in the placement of the works submitted. Oh, so they, they, it's so yeah. it's done. As President Signat was conscious. Um, conscious that these efforts had displeased artists and their dealers. Sure enough, his stubborn resistance to hierarchy drove away exhibitors lucky enough to have galleries as alternatives. In 1923, Jacques Lipschitz, Lipschitz, Francis Picabia, and Osip Zadkin Kine um, stopped submitting their works. Thereafter, um, the only avant-garde artists still participating on a yearly basis were Max Ernst, um Gino so- uh, Severini and Metzger. Um with the avant-garde abandoning the salons, the independence began to lose its raison d'etre as a clearinghouse for talent.
1: Mm. The committee's refusal to allow any distinction among artists other than nationality was part of an emancipatory desire to allow the public to judge the art themselves. But in practice, this process was the responsibility of critics. With the art on display proliferating every year, even critics writing for the most liberal publications began to resent the independence. In 1925, Jacques. Gwynne, uh, founder of the liberal arts weekly, L'Art Vivant, announced that the Salon de Independence has sunk deeper than ever into the quicksand of mediocrity. God Echoing God. the far right distrust of majoritarianism and evoking the tyranny of the majority, he wrote that real art has always been a challenge to the taste of the multitude, adding, Here is the problem with our times. Four years later, his journal would cease reviewing the independence altogether. Unanimously, critics reviewing the independence grew less convinced that the public was a sufficient judge of art. But some wondered whether the problem was more systemic. Was artistic independence still an approach capable of cultivating talent in France? By the end of the 1920s, commentators had begun to lose confidence in this long-fought-for principle. Should I do another one, or do you want to do it? Okay. In the interwar period, the laissez-faire market system for artistic production and the contradictions of artistic autonomy under capitalism became a target of criticism for the left and the right. On the left, the banality of the art in the interwar period, including that at the independence, was a reflection of the capitalist system. In his 1927 review of the independence, in La Humanité, um since 1920, the official organ of the Parti Communiste Francais or PCF, uh, Jacques Memie suggested that the banality of the independence was more likely the fault of the decrepitude of yes. art in bourgeois society Let's go, Let's go. Yes. <laughs> than the fault of the institution. The question of the artwork status within a flawed capitalist society was given more consideration in the monthly Marxist-Leninist review, Commune, uh, another organ for the PCF, edited by the activist Paul Vaillant-Cortier. For the writers of Commune, the contemporary dealer-critic salon system was considered a reflection of a division of labor that had crushed the talents of the masses at the expense of a specialized few yes. obligated to limit themselves to the kind of work demanded by bourgeois Oh my clients. god,
0: yes. As soon as the dealers were introduced, I was like, it's fucked.
1: <laughs> right? But... And then, on
0: the other hand, the communists are in now. (sighs) What's What's going to happen? Let's find out. Um, When the right offered a critique of the artist's dependence on the market, these comments drew on the discourse of anti capitalist, anti Semitism, and stereotypes about Jewish art dealers as immoral merchants of the temple. Oh, classic. (sighs) Need those three arrows, people. Since Mm. 1919, the reactionary critic Camille Mauclair had complained that the independent artists of the day was independent only in name and in reality knelt in service to the mercantile forces of the art world. He would satirize these art dealers in uh, 1929 as the Jewish fictional cabal of Levi Tripp, uh, Joulant, Ars Arsigne- uh, Boc Rosinwin Essen, like uh, Philippe uh Philip Besnard and other neo royalists with whom he often sided, Maucler mourned the loss of the aristocratic mansion or patron of the ancien regime, um, arguing that the fine arts had flourished under historical monarchies. This guy's a monarchist; he's not a communist. Sorry. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah, no, he's a bad, he's a bad one. <laughs> um, and that the ancestral uh, conniery of the moncier permitted enlightened choices. Anti-democratic critics would often mobilize this as proof of the superiority of political autocracy. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's what the right has to offer. Um, go ahead. Um, all right. Yeah. Do you want to do this? We're one? doing two now. <laughs> yeah. Grumblings did. about the mixed system of independence uh, that had dominated the Parisian art market in the nineteen twenties um, began to grow louder as the French uh, economies started to feel the effects of the American stock market crash of 1929. The market for modern art softened with one third of the commercial galleries in Paris closing while stories of artists subsisting on weebs on weeds in the suburbs were rampant in uh, in the art press some artists turned this is so sorry this is just so modern day Um,
1: (laughs) i know right this is like oh my god it has it all Um,
0: we're rampant in the art press some artists turned to self-reliance and collective action uh in march of 1933 a group of artists organized a month-long exhibition called collaboration that redistributed 50% of all profits from any works sold to those who had not sold works in the show. Sounds a little bit like the show Chio was in.
1: Yeah. Isn't it weird? (laughs) We're doing the same shit. Uh, Yeah, you go ahead. Oh yeah. Okay. Um, Still the list of exhibitors appealing to municipal and state coffers for welfare was interminable. And in March, 1932, the Conseil Municipal of Paris allotted 40 million francs to artists and artisans affected by the economic crisis. Oh, my
0: God.
1: Yeah. What's up? <laughs> However, most of these funds went toward improving municipal buildings, well. leaving only 5,000 <laughs> francs for fine art purchases. <laughs> In 1932, a group of 55 artists representing several syndicalist groups petitioned the National Chamber of Deputies to lay claim to mutual funds that decrees from 1905 had offered to unsalaried independent manual laborers. The law was considered, but a change in the ministry, budget negotiations, and lack of feasibility eventually cut the proposition short. Over the course of the discussions, Anatole de Monzy, minister of education and fine art in 1933 spoke reassuringly that all would be done to help independent art workers (sighs) but rather than provide alms de monzi renewed the state's commitment to be a purchaser and collector of modern art making the beginning of a two-pronged approach to support contemporary artists by actively purchasing more from salons and initiating initiating Ambitious public works commissions for the 1937 Exposition Universelle. Despite this mobilization, the fallout from the financial crisis had demonstrated the fragility of a market-driven, independent framework for supporting the arts. Whoopsie. ah.
0: (laughs) Funny how that happens. Yeah,
1: uh, history is an interesting one. Uh, Leaving both sides of the political spectrum unsatisfied. By the middle of the 1930s, proposals for more drastic reforms inspired by political developments abroad were articulated with more and more precision. While calls by reactionaries like Montclair to regulate the art market had fallen on deaf ears, in the aftermath of an attempted coup by far-right paramilitary leagues in February 1934, the possibility of overturning the Republican administration now seemed to those on the right more tangible.
0: Okay. Precipitated in part by the Great Depression, other European states in the 1930s also saw initiatives for state-sponsored artistic production that would satisfy a collective need for national art, while also projecting an image of strength abroad. The revival of state involvement in the arts was subject of an entire issue of the 1936 BBC magazine The Listener, which featured featuring an article by a young John Maynard Keynes that argued for state involvement in the arts as a positive public good contrasting it to laissez-faire approaches the revival of attention to these to these things mass art mass ritual and art is i believe a source of strength to the authoritarian states of Russia Germany and Italy, and a genuine gain to them, just as a lack of it is a source of weakness to the democratic societies of France, the United States, and Great Britain. In so far as it is an aspect, and it partially is of an aggressive racial or national spirit, it is dangerous yet it may prove in some measure an alternative means of satisfying the human craving for solidarity. <gasps> Very Whoa. interesting. Yeah. Uh, okay. Do you want to do more? Or should- you You do this one. Okay.
1: Other articles in the issue were submitted by representatives from Russia... The Reichskultur in Germany and from France, represented by the leftist intellectual Georges Duthuis. Despite approving the funding increases of the De Manzi ministry, Duthuis said that more could be done and pointed to the formation of La Maison de la Culture the headquarters of Louis Aragon and Valiant-Cortier's Association d'Écrivains et Artistes Révolutionnaires. Um, Duthuis specified that the organization's mission was unique because it did not support artists through the purchase of bourgeois canvases displayed at salons, but instead encouraged the sponsorship of art for initiatives that would speak more directly to the public. Its goal being to put constant pressure upon public authorities in order that the building and decoration of places destined for vast public galleries shall be entrusted to those whose work is, to use a now consecrated expression, representative of living art.
0: Um, Turning their gaze towards national support system, a French left that had once upheld total liberty instead of state intervention now looked to the USSR and socialist realism for direction. For instance, if the contributors to Commune had once expressed an ambivalence about the state's role in artistic production, by 1934, Valiant-Cortier would praise the extraordinary... Literary and artistic flourishings of the USSR and point to the creation of a self produced proletarian culture that shadows the uh, hypocritical slavery of neutrality in art and provides a clear and well defined position for the artist within the fabric of the state. The poet has his place in the proletarian cite, where the painter, the sculptor, and the architect have in- entire cities at their disposal for their studios. Um, uh, go ahead. Yeah. You, okay.
1: Uh, on the right, pundits looked abroad to fascist Italy where they witnessed what they believed to be a spiritual revival of the arts beyond the scope of a market-based system. In the reactionary populist weekly Je suis Petrol, um Um, Charles Kunstler praised The structured syndicalist system Of the fascist party for the links It forged between the artist The state and the people For the Parisian art Critic Waldemar Georges A follower of Mussolini Mm. Fascism provided both A set of standards and a license For freedom of expression without lapsing into the monotonous single style Of the monarchic model Um Yeah I did the quote yeah. The Italian state has forged an ethic and its art shows its imprint directly and indirectly. It has extirpated the virtue the virus of determinism and materialism. Whoa. It has brought back the sentiment of dignity and creative work to men, God. the love of objects, oh. the taste for what is stable it has inculcated them to the cult of intrinsic effort for its own sake here is how the state has been able to
0: act upon art considered a vital function oh man this is very this is very like right right wing and left wing interpretations of like um both positions of art as as independent or art for uh, under the state it's interesting.
1: Yeah. yeah, right? Um they're really grappling with it. <laughs>
0: uh, uh can't relate personally. No, no. <laughs> Why are they working so hard on this? <laughs> um uh Gior- uh George's uh uh position on the arts in Italy sits easily with much of the so-called nonconformist cultural discourse of the 1930s, which synthesized Marusian thought with anti-materialist uh, vitalism. Um, another opponent of art- artistic independence was the Thierry Moll- in an Anishian Malthusarian who sought to reinvigorate a stagnant democratic culture of individual liberties uh, through an aristocratic and virile humanism. The So quote, the present day state of our arts confirms for us the lesson of sociology, of politics, of our everyday experience. Democracy and capitalism are two malignant sides of the same political and economic coin. The dictatorship of these two false elites, neither with any taste, without any responsibility, without any art, under this hideous democracy, radical or liberal, the reign of the merchant and the politician will enable the triumph of a vulgarity that was non-existent two centuries ago, and that will only rid ourselves of, with great difficulty." Reviewing the last independence before the war uh, in the deeply conservative establishment journal, Beau arts, uh, George launched one final attack on the independence as if he were kissing it off forever. The salon de Sydney, he, he wrote epitomizes the crisis of contemporary art. He then offered up a position that few would disagree with mediocrity Cannot be the price of liberty.
1: Oh my god, drama. Hmm. Conclusion A Purgatory for Success. (laughs) Uh, The idea of a Salon Libre and the associated debates it provoked on the concept of artistic autonomy and independence had, from the time of the French Revolution, provided an occasion to reimagine the artistic and the political sphere and a platform through which to explore the tensions and incongruences that unite and divide the political and aesthetic realms. Sadly, in a period of cultural anxiety marked by fear, xenophobia, nationalist sentiment, and ultimately the threat of war, the ideals embodied in the independence appeared as quaint and naive as Rousseau's painting. Regardless of its incontrovertible place in art history as a site for the emergence of modernism, in the last two decades of the Third Republic, the independence had lost its value for all but the most devoted critics. These were the writers at L'Humanité, who, out of principle, consistently defended the institution until the start of the war, despite noting that it remained one of the most stunning in its rep- Petitions and pure realities, the most tiresome in its abundance, <laughs> and despite conceding to the extreme respite of revelatory submissions in nineteen thirty seven George Besson insisted upon the principle of the institution, arguing that it was the only salon that yes. is not useless. Yes. <laughs> He urged patience to his readers, writing that if any modern masters were to emerge, it would be within its walls. If these masters must emerge, it will be nowhere else but at the independence, the bedrock of originality. The salon of Signac remains and will long remain the only purgatory for success.
0: <laughs> yeah, that was that was really that was that was a good thing to read right now. Um. It, yeah, it, it really had it all. Right? Um, yeah, I thought it might help to just,
1: like, kind of take us out of the present moment and and see some resonance.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think that is really important to do, because, yeah, I mean, you know, before we started recording, we were talking about, like, the way that, like, the, the far-right anarchism, like... Uh, happens in parallel with like far left anarchism and then it becomes this weird gang warfare thing <laughs> yeah it
1: yeah and and then it's it's like um i think you know cuz the tensions expressed here in the piece kind of resemble the way that people are discussing the current moment like mm-hmm. this I mean, are we in a war (laughs) or is the war coming (laughs) or is it just over there? What's, are we, are we going crazy? You know, it might be the, we have too many people from outside of America coming in. I don't
0: know. Are we in a a global system where like, we're all like, you know, inextricably linked together and like all need to like work in tandem or can we just like keep pretending that, um, we, we can be completely, like, uh, closed off and just reinforce our national identity over and over and over again.
1: <laughs> hey,
0: it's almost like, you know, we should just let everybody put a painting. Yeah, I think that's the easiest way to do it, is to just let anyone put a painting. In painting.
1: Yeah, it's almost like you <laughs> can just let it happen and then it does itself if you just let it. It's But I don't know, I mean damn (laughs) those kilometers of of paintings they were ruining the world then and they're ruining the world now and we've got to find a way to control them
0: (laughs) yeah really um yeah what was the the synthesis at the end of the essay that like humanity the humanities were invented or whatever (laughs) it's like i don't like that answer either (laughs) um (laughs) like the conclusion was like we have humanism and sociology now or something like as a, a, a like it just feels like all of this shit is just getting rehashed again like that as a as its own institution was also fraught and yeah it, really it just needs to go back to everybody <laughs> put up a painting <laughs>
1: Like yeah, well now it, now we're at the point where it's just too dark. In the '90s, maybe everybody could have put a painting, but that's true. Hands across, America. Not. yeah, <laughs> hands across America was <laughs> the response to the Salon de Independance, where everyone can do a thing. I'm thinking,
0: oh, yeah, the, I mean, like the AIDS quilt too comes to mind. Everybody, oh yeah, um, sew a piece. Everybody do this collective thing. Like, like, yeah, the, the, having that one show, the collaboration show that they mentioned, like stuff like that is happening like all the time, these like little things. Um, But it's like, it's, it's a different time when like, um, it feels like, uh, yeah, art was like very inextricable with a um, national identity. And it's an interesting piece because it slowly on like those, national identities get unraveled by you know uh capitalist displacement um and that's uh remaking itself all the time it's it's very um it's a very weird thing to think about in this era of like um like it's either politics are either like hyper local or like, yeah, this weird, like, um, cold, weird, cold war going on. <laughs> All uh, over.
1: I don't know. I mean the, well, the groups that they're talking about and the, you know, the art world that they're focusing in on is like, uh, the, in, you know, at this time, Paris was considered the, art capital and then World War II happened and a bunch of people fled and then New York became the capital. And now we're seeing our own demise, uh, as people have been like leaving the city in droves and we're completely like mismanaging how to, um, keep this place populated. So now, Another center will form because we can't just let people put a
0: painting, i.e. live in a house. Yeah. That's that's the that's the big thing, yeah. It's like there <laughs> like other other countries are are giving these um, you know, economic boosts to artists. Uh yeah, forty million francs, <laughs> baby. <laughs> and and that that has just never been some a priority here in the united states at all so why start now (laughs) when all of our other shit is also imploding (laughs) yeah it's almost
1: like we have been running a lot of markets like a laissez-faire
0: economy (laughs) (laughs) shit Uh, we we really fucked up that one huh guys uh Better. No, 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 no.
1: We're still we're doing fine until hindsight tells us otherwise. <laughs> yeah, but never learn from that hi- hindsight. Um, well, maybe it'll be different this time.
0: Yeah, yeah. You think you think it'll be different? You think they'll learn?
1: Oh, things are so different. I can't even understand history. It's so different. I can't. It's definitely not like now, and later is going to be different too. I don't have any object permanence. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, I, I really enjoyed reading this. Um, I'll um, when we'll post the episode. I'll, I'll post the link so people can read all the notes because the notes seem really interesting too. Oh, hell's yeah,
1: yeah. There's notes, and then you can look at the French names and yeah, I, we can't, know them I can't better. Do them. I, I, tried yeah heck you could even get real nerdy and you could look up the painters and look Look at at the art. art yeah yeah it's a bunch of stuff like if you're going and you you're quarantining so you can hang out with your mom and dad for Christmas or something you you've got a whole project ahead of you
0: it's it's true um wow uh the i'm looking at the notes now and and one of the salons founders is Odilon Redon who's one of my favorite painters oh hell yeah uh very cool yeah <laughs> it's
1: you know yeah the big the big eyeball in the sky guy he was there he was involved all your faves all your faves, were all your faves. at the salon yeah, the surrealists <laughs> the cubists like come on those are the cool arts none of this baroque stuff That stuff's for kings.
0: Yeah. 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 It is. It is. It's so interesting. Like they were in coming in in a time, like coming out of feudalism and it, it feels like we're, we're on its head. We're going like into feudalism. We're like remaking it. (laughs) Yes. Techno feudalism. Where like all the art that is made is also an app and also of a big, part of a lobby for Google or whatever.
1: <laughs> yeah. Can you even have an app if it's not in the salon de Apple?
0: <laughs> yes. Apple is the new salon. The curated oh, yeah. the curated app store. The cure the curated um Streaming service as the salon, as the new salon.
1: Yeah. Damn. They'll kick they'll kick your shit out, which is why we need a free platform. Yes. For everyone to post their crazy shit. This is why we're whatever you
0: got internet. We're the we're a pirate pro pirate pod. Mm -hmm. Pro piracy. Um that's it's the only it's the only yeah, that that I'm glad you I'm glad we got to this point because I wanted to bring it up. Earlier, But, like, yeah, the, like, the space we're in now with um, trying to control the internet versus leave the internet alone and those, like, the different positions people take about that, um, I feel like was was kind of analogous in certain ways to this. Oh, definitely. Like, the allowing just the free flow of images without any... um, Filtering or, um, like uh, regulation. But then people, but then of course, like then it's like, oh well, we need like mods. We need like some mods. You know,
1: (laughs) yeah, we've got to organize this stuff somehow. We need like maybe it could be like where it came from or who no, made it. I don't it know. Gets sticky,
0: it's like, Oh, we gotta, <laughs> yeah. we gotta get the spam filter. Of course you need a spam filter. Yeah. Duh. And then it's like, Oh, <laughs> now, now we, we need to get the Nazis out of here. Oh, well, of course we gotta get the Nazis out of here. That's really important. Um, and-, and before you know it it's just you sitting in an aim chat by yourself <laughs> it's just like it just goes in waves it just and then the nazis don't really leave they just go to their own little discords or their own little like forums and parlors and things like that mm-hmm.
1: mm-hmm. a-
0: and then they write up ads. <gasps> It's true. It's so fucked up. <laughs> they have their own fucking columns and they shouldn't <laughs> there's no way to really get rid of the 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 Nazis through um through moderation. Um the, the only way is uh through divine intervention, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh that's a a struggle for another day <laughs> yeah later later for that it's a it's 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 difficult um all these conversations and it's and it's interesting to see in the past it was also difficult,
1: yeah, it's almost like it's never been easy, so with that go forward into this terrifying world where it's not really clear what direction we're all going in. And later on, people will write about us like <laughs> just hapless
0: little, uh, fireflies blinking in a jar, <laughs> hapless little, um, Valley vase.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we're just a couple of Valley days <laughs> doing our darndest to bring you
0: some content. All right. Well, thanks everyone for tuning in. Support us on Patreon and Take care um, out there. Let's have fun. Let's have fun. Lots of fun. Let's have fun. Let's have fun. Let's have fun. Lots of fun.